0: Hello and welcome to Anna Wichuan's English Podcast, episode number 57. Now, on today's episode, I have hand picked a selection of the most common mistakes that my students make with false friends. And I'm going to tell you exactly what they are, the mistake that you need to avoid, and the correct word that you need to use in English. This is an essential episode. If you are a Spanish speaker, remember Spanish, teaching English to Spanish speakers is my area of expertise. If you are a Spanish speaker listening to this right now, you must stay tuned for the next few minutes because these are mistakes that everybody makes. So if you can avoid making these mistakes, you're going to be one step ahead of everybody else. So let's get on with it. But before we go anywhere, as per usual, let's have some nice samba music, please. idea of common mistakes. I just want to just want to touch on that very quickly before we start because I said the most common mistakes with false friends in English, okay? And these are some of the most common mistakes. Correcting mistakes takes time. I've actually been doing a lot of research into or looking more into how people correct mistakes and there's kind of various different um, groups of thought some people feel that you shouldn't be corrected that people should just let you speak and you will naturally as you acquire the language you will correct yourself other schools of thought are that you should be aware of your corrections you should know them teachers should correct you on the spot afterwards and we're very used to that you know we're always we always get our homework corrected people tell us when we're doing something wrong so it's very interesting, but. One thing I will say is it really does take time. Some of these common mistakes, and especially with things like false friends, they're like an automatic go-to. So it takes a long time to rewire that, essentially. And one example I'll give you is that even after living in Spain for nearly three years now, no, actually more than three years Oh, yes, goodness, I've only just realized that. I moved to Spain on the 29th of September, 2017. So, yes. Even living here for more than three years, I still look the wrong way when I cross the road. I still look the wrong way, which is actually really dangerous. (laughs) So I need to watch out for that a little bit. But I still look the wrong way when I'm crossing the road, because I'm thinking that the cars are coming from the opposite way. And I've been here for three years. I've spent barely any time in the UK, but it's so ingrained in me to look that way. It's like automatic. I don't even think about it. It's actually really dangerous. And that's why I usually always wait for the green man, because I don't want to take any chances. So this is what I'm trying to illustrate, is that mistakes or doing things in a different way, maybe is a better way to say it, takes time. So I have a list here, I think I have a list of 17 of the most common false friends that are in English really and also the most common mistake that students make. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through them one by one and I'll give you a couple of examples of where people go wrong and how you can actually use that word in English. So let's start with my first one, which is actual. I'm going to give you the Spanish first, okay? Actual. Now, the most common mistake students make here is they say, my actual job is, my actual job is a teacher. My actual job is a lawyer. No, my current job is a lawyer. Actual in English is current, not actual. Actual. Actual in English is like real, my real job. My actual job is a teacher. Actual in English is current. And you know the place where I see this most is on things like CVs, when people are talking about their jobs. My actual job, no, my current job. The actual figures... Now, that could be a sentence in English. That does make sense, but it's a different meaning. The actual figures means the real figures. The current figures means the ones at the moment, current. Next one, number two. This one is very, very, very common when talking about meetings. And this is a verb. In Spanish, you say, asistir a... Un evento, una conferencia. Now, a lot of students they say, "Mm, I assisted a meeting. I assisted to a meeting yesterday. I say, no, you didn't assist a meeting. You attended a meeting. To attend. Now, actually to attend a meeting is actually quite formal, so probably it's more natural to say, I went to a meeting. You'll see attend in invitations. But for example, if I'm talking about it with my colleagues, I'm not going to say, oh, I I attended a meeting yesterday. No, I went to a meeting yesterday. But still, I attended a conference. That's a more common collocation. But still, we could also use go to in that context as well. To assist in English is a synonym for to help. It does not mean attend. It doesn't mean to go to something. If you say I assisted... Uh, uh, To a meeting, I think you helped at the meeting. So, assistir in English is to attend. And another very important thing there is it's not attend to a meeting. No. We attend something. We attend an event, we attend a conference, we attend a meeting. However, there is another structure we can use, which is to attend to somebody. And that actually does have a similar meaning of to help. It means to assist somebody with something. For example, I'm attending to a client. I'm attending to a phone call. But honestly, don't really worry too much about that sentence because I never use it. But you may hear it in formal context, okay? But don't worry about it, all right? Don't worry about it. Next one. This one is funny. Some of these are really funny for for native speakers or or any English speaker, not just native speakers. Native speakers, non-native speakers of English. Carpeta. Now, carpeta in English. Well, carpeta, a lot of people say in Spanish, the carpet. The carpet is in the computer. I'm like, ooh, really? A carpet in the computer? Because for me, carpet is alfombra, not a file. (laughs) Or folder, sorry. So I'm like, the the carpet is in the computer. The alfombra is in the ordenador. Uh, No. So carpet in English is folder. Folder, not carpet. Carpet is alfombra. Remember, in the UK, we always have carpet, which many people find very strange to understand because carpet is just... We have carpet in the bathroom. Like, I can't even imagine that now. It just seems so disgusting to me. But yeah, it's part of my culture. So there you go. Okay, next one. This one is also a noun, okay, and it's compromiso, compromiso. So a lot of students, when they translate this, they translate it to compromise, okay. I I have a compromise. I have a commitment. Compromiso as the noun in English is commitment. I have a commitment. I need to make a commitment. Commitment is actually another more formal way to say appointment. So for example, I have a lot of commitments. Um, it's, It's kind of a more general way to say it. Like I have a lot of commitments. I have a lot of things that I have to do. I have a lot of commitments next week, for example. This is quite a formal way to say it like that. So to compromise is a word. It is a verb in English, but it means arreglo, acuerdo, a compromise. Okay? A compromise. Sorry, it's a verb and a noun. That's as a as arreglo and acuerdo, it's a noun, a compromise. A compromise between two parties, for example. Okay? To compromise means to make a sacrifice. Okay? I need to make a compromise. So the important thing here is compromiso is commitment in English, not compromise. Compromise is a verb, but it has a totally different meaning. And this is the really fucked up thing about false friends is because actually they don't have similar roots. Like they are similar words, but often they don't actually have similar roots, which is like really messed up. Like I often wonder like who came up with these? Like who did this? Okay, the next one is a very funny. This is also a funny one. Uh, In Spanish, when you have the flu, when you have a cold, you say, estoy constipado, estoy constipada. So if you say to somebody in English that you're constipated, and I remember one of my students telling me this, they said, "Oof, I know, I'm really constipated. And I was like, wow, Spanish people are very, uh, very open about their health. And I was like, okay, I mean, probably not the first thing that I would say to somebody, but (laughs) okay. Because constipated in English means estrenamiento. Yes. So you can see how that would be a little bit of an awkward mistake to make. Imagine going into a meeting in front of everyone and being like, you know, small talk at the beginning of the meeting and being like, oof, I'm really constipated. (laughs) That would make a few English people laugh or American people or native speakers laugh for sure. So in English, esternamento is constipated. And if we want to say that we are, we have a nose, we like, you know, when you have like, you know, you've got a blocked nose, that's another way to say it. I've got a blocked nose. Another way to say it is I'm all bunged up. Like, it kind of has a very horrible connotation, that, that word. But yeah, bunged up. I'm really bunged up. Okay. All right. Or my sinuses. A lot of people say they're like, oh, my sinuses are all blocked up. I've got a runny nose. I've got the flu. There's many different ways to say constipado, but not constipated, because that means you can't go to the toilet. (laughs) Okay, next one. Éxito. Éxito. Exito is success in Spanish, okay? Exito is success. It is not an exit in English. Exit in English is salida. Where is the exit, please? Where is the fire exit? In English, exito is success. Now, there's also another word group with success, which I'm going to do an episode about, which is really important because it's another very common mistake. But a lot of students will write in their homework, for example, they'll say, we had a big exit last year. No, 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 no. We had a big success last year. Éxito is success. Exit in English is salida. Next one, fábrica. Fábrica is factory. Factory. A lot of students will write, I work in a fabric. I'm like, eh? Because fabric in English is tela, like material. I'm like, you work in a fabric? And they also use it with the verb as well. So they say, this company fabrics... Bricks, for example, but it's not fabrics. You could either say manufactures, you could say produces. Okay, so fabricar, the verb in English is also different. It's not to fabric. Fabric in English is a noun and it means material, different types of fabric. For example, today, my shirt is made of very silky fabric. Now, we can also use the word fabric in like a figurative sense. We can say the fabric of the company, meaning like the the um, the way the company is the fabric of the company but it's not so common but we do use it sometimes in figurative senses as well next one this is a verb in spanish you say introducir for insert which really fucks with my head because um i remember when i first started learning spanish and people were saying like introduce introduzco and i was like Why are you introducing something in the microwave? Like, it just sounds so weird for an English person, like an English speaker. It just sounds so weird. Like, I'm going to introduce this into the microwave. Like, it sounds very formal for, for, for us, I think, anyway. So in English, to introduce is presentar. I'm going to introduce this idea, for example, or I'm going to introduce you to my colleague. It does not mean to put something in somewhere else. I'm like, why is everybody introducing stuff in like their bags? Like, it's so strange. So, introducir in English is, well, introducir is like to insert or to put in. There could be many other ways for that. And to introduce in English means presentar. Next one, this is an adjective. Largo. This is one of the big ones with adjectives, okay? Largo. Largo is long. But many students confuse it with the word in English, which is large. But large doesn't mean long. Large means big. Grande. Big. Okay? So, if you say, for example, uh, this meeting is very large... I'm like, what? This meeting is very large. It means there's a lot of people in it. No, this meeting is very long. Long. Largo is long, not large. Large is big or grande. Okay, next, let's have a look at another uh, verb. Molestar. I love this verb because no students know this verb, especially when they're starting off like beginners. Like it's always one that I can test them on and they never get it right. (laughs) Molestar. Now, molestar has a couple of translations, but it translates in English to annoy, to annoy somebody or to bother somebody or even more formally, to disturb somebody. Now, in English, it's often commonly mistaken with the verb molest. Now, this is a really weird one because molest in English means to abuse somebody, abusar, and also even worse than that, like sexually so this was another one, a little bit like um, introducir. And I'm like, why is everybody molesting everybody else? Like, Because molesting for me is like is like sex abuse. Like it's very different, the meaning and the connotation of using that word. So obviously I started to realize that molestar was just annoy, bother. Like stop, stop. But it was like, stop molesting me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why is everybody molesting each other? So that has a very different meaning. So be careful with that one. Uh, He's molesting me. Uh, That has a very... He's molesting me. She's molesting me. That has a very different meaning in English. She's annoying me or he's annoying me. That could be very lost in translation. So that one's pretty important. Okay, next one. I'm going to do another verb here, which is a good one. This is one that Spanish people use a lot. And it's often one where you make mistakes. Realizar. Oh, es que me gusta, eh? Realizar. I don't know why, but all of these words with like a Z in, they really are difficult for me to pronounce. Realizar, um, translate to, there's a couple of translations, but we're going to go with the one here, which is to carry out or to simply to do, to carry out or to do. Now, this is often mistaken for the verb in English, which is to realize. However, the verb realize in English doesn't mean to do or to carry out. It means darse cuenta. I realized that in the end, it wasn't what I wanted to do. This was one that was very difficult for me because I was like, why is everybody realizing things? Like, I realized a project. I was like, what? All of these things, all of these journeys I've had to go through with these false friends as well, but just the opposite way from English into Spanish. So, realizar is to carry out and realize is darse cuenta. Okay, very common common little mix up there okay let's look at the other one this is one that people ask me about a lot so i'm going to spend a couple of minutes talking about this sensible sensible in english means sensitive sensitive however this is often confused with the word in english which is sensible which in spanish means sensato so sensible in English, if you are a sensible person, it means that you do the right thing. You don't take too many risks. You know, you make the right choices. You make good decisions. You're a sensible person. You know, my mum calls me a sensible person now that I'm older. She said to me the other day, she was like, Anna, you're very sensible. And I was like, oh, am I? <laughs> I mean, when you're younger, nobody wants to be called sensible. Like it's kind of like a synonym for boring. But when you're older, you like you like to think you're a sensible person you say that I'm a sensitive person that's like you're very sensitive to emotions for example especially in English the connotation is that you are very emotional that if I say something bad to you you're going to react very strongly um, whether that's like a, a bad thing or maybe an upsetting thing or an angry thing if you're a sensitive person you you know you are affected by strong things strong emotions So that's, again, is very different. So sensible in Spanish is sensitive, sensitive. That's the difference between the two um sensitive it can also be an adjective used to describe something that's very vulnerable to changes so for example um this is very sensitive oh it also can mean confidential there we go confidential information this document is very sensitive it means this is very potentially very controversial material and we can't uh, hand it out we can't send it out to everybody this is very sensitive information oh i like that one that's a very common one at work I remember when I used to work in healthcare, obviously we've got a lot of things of data, information, things are very sensitive there, okay? Like, you know, things can have a big impact. Like with a lot of your jobs, whether you're a lawyer or whether you're a doctor, whether you're working in whatever, you have sensitive information lying around. Well, hopefully not lying around. (laughs) But there's sensitive information that can't be shared with everybody and it has to be handled carefully. Okay, we're just going to do a couple more. We're going to do another verb. Soportar. So, so, soportar in English is to put up with or to stand. One thing I love it when Spanish people say is like, No soporto. Or eres un insoportable. I love that one. Because you do, you kind of have little insults very differently in, in Spanish than, and you call people nouns. Like you say, you're a, you're a, no, you call people adjectives. You're like, you're, you're, you're a useless, uh, you're a silly. And in English we say, you're silly, not a silly. So you kind of use it in a different way. So I I really like those because it's like little different quirks that I don't get to use in my own language. And isn't that the fantastic thing about learning another language is that you can express yourself in a totally different way than you can in other languages. I like insoportable. I I like that one. Probably because I complain so much. So uh, this one for me is perfect in Spanish. (laughs) No lo soporto. I can't stand it. But in English, it's not support. In fact, support is like help, okay? I support this, okay? If you support something, you're behind something. If you support somebody, you help them. I always support my friends. I try to always support my friends if I feel that they need support. I try to support or I do support my students if they're having a bad time or they're struggling with something. So soportar is to put up with or to stand. And support is to help, like ayudar. Okay, so see how these are very similar and lots of people make mistakes with them, but the meaning is very different. And one thing I will say is kind of, one thing I've always said is there's always like a hierarchy of mistakes. Nobody is expecting you to be a native speaker. Let's be clear about that. I'm, I always bang on about this, but it's because it's important. Being a native speaker is not realistic. You're not going to be a native speaker of English. That's okay. I don't want you to be a native speaker of English. I want you to speak English really well for you and what you need and your needs. There are however some mistakes that sound very obvious and this is or these are some of them. Some mistakes just sound very obvious and it's like oh you know when you hear it you're like ah it kind of like clashes like if I were speaking Spanish and I didn't use the subjunctive or if I use the wrong verb tense like it, it's kind of like bleh you know, like you hear it straight away. Some kind of prepositions you can kind of get away with, it doesn't really matter so much. But with some of these ones, it sounds very strange. So if you say for me, to me, for example, I work in a fabric, I'm like, eh? okay, so it's like an immediate reaction. So these are really important to get right. However, as I said at the beginning, these are gonna take a little bit of time. Maybe you notice after listening to this that you make some of these, some of these mistakes. In which case, what would I suggest? Well, take responsibility for that, write it down, practice it a little bit, try and use the word when you're speaking, okay? And the the first thing is being aware that it's a mistake. Now you may naturally discover that you make a mistake because you hear somebody say it differently. But also it's helpful if somebody tells you what your mistakes are, I think, and then it's your responsibility to go away and work on that and try and improve that. So I hope that this episode has been useful for you. These really are some of the most common false friends. So if you can, after this episode, have an idea of if you're making any of these mistakes and start to correct them, wow. You're doing yourself an enormous favor and you're also avoiding a lot of the mistakes that everybody else makes. So if you like this episode and you like the podcast, please subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iVox and also Google Podcasts now as well amongst other smaller ones. Remember, the best place to find me is Instagram. Okay, On Instagram, I post lots of new content as well as more content about the podcast and about me so if you really want to learn English and become more advanced with your English follow me on Instagram and there's lots of more lots more content for you you can find me on Instagram at Anna2NsEnglish English. Altogether, anna 2 English. okay I changed my name recently so that it's a little bit clearer for everybody who wants to find me Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back for a new episode very, very soon. Bye-bye.